0: So I want to get this started this morning by reading a poem for you, with you. It'll be up on the screen. You can follow along as I read. It's written by Cheney Gorkin. I have no idea who Cheney Gorkin is, but it's called The Worst Day Ever. Today was the absolute worst day ever. And don't try to convince me that there's something good in every day. Because when you take a closer look, this world is a pretty evil place. Even if some goodness does shine through once in a while satisfaction and happiness don't last. And it's not true that it's all in the mind and heart because true happiness can be attained only if someone's surroundings are good. It's not true that good exists. I'm sure you can agree that the reality creates my attitude. It's all beyond my control, and you'll never in a million years hear me say, today was a very good day. And I suppose that sounds a little bit depressing as we get started here, but that poem to me sounds like somebody who is struggling with discouragement. You ever been discouraged? Maybe you are discouraged right now. Maybe there's something in your life that has you discouraged. In fact, when we run into somebody who is discouraged, what is the typical question that we ask? It's not actually, why are you discouraged? The question that we typically ask is just a little bit different. We tend to say this, what is it that has you discouraged? Because we understand this, maybe even subconsciously, we get the idea that discouragement is usually attached to a circumstance or to an event in our life. And this thing of some sort is what actually has me discouraged. And so there are things out there like jobs or relationships or health issues or or just personal challenges or unfulfilled dreams. Those are all those types of things that discourage us. So my question to you this morning is, what is it that has you discouraged right now? Because if we're honest, we all deal with discouragement. And sometimes it's like this all-encompassing thing that just swallows us up. In other times, that discouragement is just, you know, compartmentalized. Well, this thing here has me discouraged, or I'm discouraged about this. But at some level, most of us struggle with discouragement. I get discouraged. I mean, I get discouraged when I starve myself for a week, and I exercise, and the scale doesn't get the message. I find that discouraging. I find it discouraging when everything in the house wants to break down at the exact same time, and I'm already paying $6 for a dozen eggs. That's discouraging. I get discouraged when I work really hard and try to do something nice for somebody and that person doesn't necessarily notice or doesn't seem to be quite as impressed by my efforts. I get discouraged when I fail an area of my life that I think I've finally mastered, and then I turn around and, and I mess up again. And I get discouraged when I don't seem to get an answer to a prayer that I've prayed over and over and over again. And there are so many different levels of discouragement and so many different reasons for discouragement from mild to severe. But you are probably like I am, and discouragement can easily creep into your life. or Sometimes it just like marches in and takes over. But discouragement is pretty much a universal issue. And discouragement is an issue that Paul had to deal with too. And Paul deals with it, and we get a record of it in the book of 2 Corinthians. And we've been talking about this letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth called 2 Corinthians. And I want to invite you to turn with me there today. We're going to be looking at the fourth chapter of 2 Corinthians. But we get a sense of Paul's struggles And we get a sense of Paul talking about his struggles and sharing them with the church and addressing their struggles with the hope that he can help them. And I don't know if this was known to Paul or not at that time, but as we look in on it today, 2,000 years later, there are things there that we can grab that can be helpful as we deal with our discouragement. And my hope is by the time that we leave this morning is that we can leverage what Paul talks about And that we can actually turn discouragement upside down. So 2 Corinthians chapter 4, as you're turning there, a little bit more background in the book. And I just mentioned a few things last week. And I want to take just a couple more minutes to tell you a little bit more about this book. Paul started the church in Corinth. He spent about 18 months there before he moved on. But Corinth was a church that had a lot of problems. And Paul moved on, but all the problems, I mean, he didn't take the problems with him, but they just stayed right behind him. And so he wrote a letter back to them to say, hey, you've got some things that you need to deal with. Well, it wasn't necessarily well received and it wasn't necessarily well followed. And so there was a woman by the name of Chloe who came to Paul and said, hey, Paul, here's what's going on in Corinth. And so Paul responds to Chloe's uh, report. By sending another letter back to Corinth. The second letter that Paul sent back to Corinth is actually 1 Corinthians in your Bible. The first letter that Paul sent to Corinth, we know he sent one, but it wasn't kept. So we have no idea. So actually, in your Bible, 1 Corinthians is technically 2 Corinthians. Confusing enough? Okay, it gets worse. So... Paul sends this letter, we don't have this, and it wasn't received, uh, Chloe, so anyhow, in this second letter that Paul sends back, which is your first Corinthians, he addresses all kinds of problems. There was major sexual sin that they were ignoring. There was disunity and fighting for position in the church. There was a total misunderstanding and misuse of spiritual gifts. They were making a mess of communion, and Paul confronts all of these different things in that list, that's just part of it. There's more for all these problems in the church. And Paul goes after it again, and he sends Timothy back to Corinth with this letter. Well, then he decides to follow it up himself in person. And so this second letter gets sent back. Timothy takes it. He goes back and visits with the Corinthians. And after that visit, he decides to write another letter back to Corinth. However, we don't have a copy of that one either. So the third Corinthian letter is lost, and so he sends actually a fourth letter when he's in Macedonia by means of another friend, Titus, and he sends this letter back to Corinth, which is actually the fourth letter. So we have the second letter to Corinth is 1 Corinthians, and the fourth letter to Corinth is 2 Corinthians. Does that make sense? All right, so we're on, we're on the fourth level of communication here when we get to this letter. And we've also had some back and forth with um, Timothy, with Chloe, with Titus. And we've actually, by this time, seen some improvement in what's going on in the church here. So as we look at the book of 2 Corinthians, a lot of things have actually improved in the church in Corinth. But there's still a lot of things that need to improve. And so that's why Paul is sending this letter back to them. And you can sense some of his frustration. And one of the big things that needs to improve is after all of this, all of Paul's investments, four letters, trips there, 18 months, there are people that have been kind of his crowd and his tribe who have turned against him. Not in that they're angry at him, but they've turned against him to say, you know what, Paul, you're really not everything that we thought you were. And we've got these other guys here that are now in Corinth, and, and they're better speakers than you are, and we really like them. And Paul, as we kind of look back, we're, we're kind of having some doubts. Maybe you were kind of in this for yourself. And so Paul's actually writing this fourth letter back to the church to Corinth to say, hey, I'm genuine. And it's, it's a letter of self-defense, and it's almost sad that a person of, of Paul's character and Paul's contribution has to resort to this, but he's like, hey, please, I'm, I'm actually an apostle of Christ. I actually have an official role, even in your development here. Please don't blow me off. Please don't dismiss me. And it's this letter that he writes back, and you can sense even in that letter a little bit maybe of the discouragement. Oh, there's our word. That he feels. And so we want to talk about that discouragement here this morning. And I want to talk about even the emotions that Paul's experiencing because they come out in this book. Now, I grew up in a church where emotions weren't allowed because we were just supposed to know what the truth is, and you do the truth, and it doesn't matter how you feel. You just do what you're supposed to do. And that was wrong. Because we are emotional people, and we are created by God with emotions, And yes, we're supposed to obey regardless of how we feel. But you know, there's more to it than that. Because we say, you know, if you love God, obey God. Well, yes, we obey God, but we also feel affection for God. It's all part of the equation. And so when we look at the scripture, sometimes we're afraid of these emotions. We don't need to be. God gave us these emotions. Now they can get twisted around and and turned upside down. But these emotions actually can be helpful. And even an emotion like discouragement can have value to us. Not in that we're like, oh, I'm going to take that on and just live with it. But we can look at that and go, okay, what's going on in my life right now? What's going on in my story right now? Why am I feeling? That's what we, we feel discouraged, right? I mean, we don't just decide to be discouraged. Or do we? But we feel discouragement. And so, we can take those feelings, though, and we can realize that that's one of the ways that God's speaking into our story. So let's, let's um, read 2 Corinthians 4, verse number 1. I'm just going to start with two verses and see if you can see how they're similar. The first one is verse number 1. Therefore, since God through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. And then now and all the way down to verse number 16, almost to the end of the chapter, we read... Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. And it's quite obvious there that there's a phrase that's repeated. At the very beginning of the chapter, we do not lose heart. And at the very end of the chapter, not quite the very end of the chapter, we do not lose heart. And what is Paul saying there is we do not let discouragement mess us up. But he puts it at the end, or at the beginning, he puts it at the end, and everything that's in the middle there has some connection to those statements. In fact, actually you can go on either side of it beforehand and after and there's a little bit more. But the overall context of this passage is about dealing with discouragement. Well, there's other things in there. and We're not going to try to unpack everything that's in there. But I want to look at this passage then as how it deals with and how we can work through this idea of discouragement. So here's what we're going to do. Three things. First of all, we're going to talk about the possible reasons that Paul might have been discouraged. And we're even going to add a few onto there that might be reasons that you might get discouraged. Secondly, we're going to look at what Paul had to say in response to some of those reasons why he might be discouraged and how he overcame discouragement because I think that will be helpful. And then thirdly, we're going to Just mention three things that you can take away from here this morning. If you're dealing with discouragement, that might be, and I think will be, helpful to you. So let's just start with these reasons that Paul might have been discouraged. And we're going to lay them out here and identify them. And then we're going to look at his response to those in the Scripture. The first reason why Paul might have been discouraged is this. The church was not acting right. The church was not acting right. Specifically this church, the church in Corinth, And it was acting better, but they still had issues, and those issues were discouraging. Now, if you look all the way in the past, this church had tons of division, and everybody was kind of at it with everybody else, and everybody had an opinion, and everybody had a a side, and, and this church just warred away. And boy, that's discouraging, isn't it, when the church acts that way? They had actually gotten better at some of those issues, but now they were into different issues. For instance, the issue of celebrityism. Paul wasn't, <laughs> Paul, okay, the greatest Christian in the New Testament. Paul wasn't good enough for them all of a sudden because there are these new super, in fact, actually, Paul uses this term, these new super apostles that were out there. And so they were into another thing, and the church was just behaving badly. And I mentioned this this morning because church can be a huge area of discouragement for people. And I say that sadly, because church should be one of the greatest places for encouragement. Unfortunately, it becomes a place for discouragement when the church doesn't act right. And I realize the church is a little vague, who are we talking about? But when the church doesn't act right, it can be really discouraging to people. And we see that in in today's world a lot of times. I think there's people who are discouraged because the church hasn't acted right. And let me give you some examples here. The church hasn't acted right because the church has become the moral monitor of the world. And has become the judge of everything that everybody does. And he's like, well, we have the truth and the world does not. Yeah, that's true. But we also see, if we look closely at 1 Corinthians, the second letter, 1 Corinthians 5, Paul says, hey, our job is to live holy lives as people within the church. It's not our job to condemn the world. And there's a lot of churches out there that are out there condemning the world, and that's discouraging people, and they've forgotten about living holy lives, and they've forgotten about sharing the gospel, and they've gotten really distracted about all this stuff. And that can be really, really discouraging when a church takes on the wrong role the church even in today's world has become obsessed with celebrityism and and we see this where we have the super leaders and the super pastors and then we also get the discouragement that comes when they mess up and and they come tumbling down but we live in a society in a christian social or well, i guess it is social society where where we obsess over all these so, the celebrity christians and it's not just you know it's not just pastors and in, in organizational leaders, it's, it's entertainers and, and musicians and whatever that, but celebrity is such a big thing. And that can be actually really discouraging, especially when you get to know who some of the celebrities are. Another reason that the church can be discouraging is because it becomes factious. And we're dealing with this in today's world where everybody's got a camp and everybody's got a position and we see these little huddles everywhere. Well, I believe this and I believe this and I believe this and I believe this. And sometimes those disagreements are over biblical issues and it's just a difference of interpretation. And sometimes those issues are over things that aren't even in the Bible. And it becomes discouraging because I'm like, well, gosh, I don't think the same as that person over there. I can't even see anything in the Bible where it matters and yet I'm being pushed into this lonely position here and it becomes discouraging. We see, you know, A lack of grace sometimes in the church. And if there's somebody who has a different opinion, we don't graciously accept that. We go on the attack. And it's just not the outside world who gets turned off by that. It's people in the church who sometimes experience this, or people in the church who've actually taken the blow sometimes. And they're just like, to be honest, church is like one of the bigger discouraging things in life. And how sad is that? The church could be in that role. And maybe you're here this morning, and you're like, you know, I'm I'm trying, but I just get so frustrated and discouraged by some of this. And sometimes there are some of you who are sitting in here and you're discouraged by church because you're sitting here and you're doing the best you can, and there's people sitting around you that don't seem to have any commitment. You don't really care. And it's like, oh, that's so discouraging. Like I really want to follow Christ. And then I sit down next to somebody who doesn't really like I don't get it church can be so, so discouraging. Maybe you're hanging in here this morning, but you don't feel good about the way things are. And maybe that's how Paul felt. You know, like, guys, i got to be honest. I'm looking at the church here, and I'm a little bit discouraged. Secondly, people that Paul invested in weren't doing well. And they were leaning back into legalism and leaning back into Judaism, which is something that they had. And, and they were fighting over, you know, the, the, the super apostle things. And sometimes we get discouraged because the people that we've cared about don't seem to care as much as we do. people that we invest in walk away. And that's something, you know, I suppose in ministry we feel. It's like, you know, we're trying to help people and, and sometimes they just kind of disappear and walk away from life. And that's really, really discouraging. But it's not just church, is it? Sometimes it's the people that you care the most about that don't seem to respond It can be friends. It can be family. It's people who are going down dangerous paths or making bad decisions, and and you feel helpless to help them. And wow, that can feel so discouraging. And maybe as you look at your own life, you're like, oh, that's where I'm discouraged. Like, this person here, I've, I've tried and tried and tried so many different ways, and it's just like, nothing's getting through and it's discouraging maybe paul was discouraged because he was unjustly maligned and attacked he's trying to do the right thing he's investing like crazy in this church and what's happening is it's like it's okay it's you know let's all rag on paul day you know, he's not as good as, the, he, he doesn't speak like this guy, and when you meet Paul in person, he's, he's just kind of meek and mild, and, and all of these criticisms, and all Paul has tried to do is the right thing, and all Paul has tried to do is love these people, and he's being maligned and attacked by people who he thought were friends. Ever been there? Ever been misunderstood, falsely accused? Attacked for no good reason, other than maybe you happen to get in somebody's way. And it can be really, really discouraging, can't it? Especially if whatever the attack is actually has some fallout to it. And maybe you're actually suffering, you've gone through some hardship, or even some parts and circumstances of your life have been completely flipped around just because somebody decided to go on the offensive to you, uh, against you. And Paul is under attack. He's being insulted and accused by people that he's actually invested in. I don't think any other church received four letters from Paul. Another reason, he had been facing extreme physical and emotional assaults, and we talked about that last week. We don't even know what some of these were. But he's like, I I thought I was going to die. If you go back to, to 2 Corinthians 1, this thing happened in Asia. We don't really know what it was, but it was so bad I despaired of life. And maybe you're discouraged because that's where you are this morning. You're just simply worn out from the battle. And you might be worn out mentally. You might be worn out emotionally. You might be just simply worn out physically. And I'll just tell you this. When you're not getting enough sleep or when you're not you know, able to take care of yourself physically, you're going to be more prone to discouragement. And so maybe that's where Paul was. He was just absolutely exhausted. Maybe it was because problems had been coming at him from all sides. Problems had been coming at him from all sides, and we'll read about this in just a minute. But Paul's life seems to be like, I've got this problem here, and then I turn here, and all I discover I got another problem, and I turn back this way, and there's another problem. And do you ever feel like that in life? You're like, okay, I I could deal with this, but as soon as I deal with this and I move over here and look at this, oh, I got another thing to deal with. And I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll get back to that and you wander off this way and there's another thing that's staring you in the face and there's another thing. And, another, and everywhere you turn, there's like things coming at you from every direction. That can be so, so discouraging. I remember in my life, a, a while back, I was getting some counseling and we were talking about stressors in life. And so I sat down and I wrote down stressors that I had. And I identified like two dozen stressors that I hadn't had two years before. And I was like, well, no wonder I'm discouraged. And no wonder I'm exhausted. And maybe you're in that situation too. Where you're just like, okay, I can't deal with one more thing. Maybe Paul was there. I don't know about this last word. I'll just throw it out here because of something that he says that we're going to read here. But maybe it's feelings of failure, inadequacy, or self-doubt. And I don't know if Paul was struggling with that, but we do. We can get so discouraged with ourselves. I tried. I didn't do very well with that. and Gosh, I kind of just quit before I should have on this. And, um, man, I, I just haven't made any headway here. In, in, well... You know, somebody said something and it just discouraged me over here, and I just make it, and I just start to believe what they had to say. And maybe you can relate to these reasons for discouragement. And maybe you have others that you would add and say, oh, those are six reasons to be discouraged, but those aren't my reasons. Okay, but what do we do with them? Let's look at what Paul does with them here as we go through this passage. Because he says, what? We do not lose heart. And when he says, we do not lose heart, who is he talking about? Is he talking about his companions? I don't think so. He's talking about these people in this church at Corinth and saying, hey, we all get discouraged, but we do not lose heart. So, in the face of discouragement, here's how we can respond. So let's see what he has to say here. First of all, verse number. let's start reading here. Verse number 1 again. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. What's he talking about? He's talking about this ministry that Paul has as being an apostle. And he compares himself actually to Moses, if you go back to chapter 3. But he says here, in comparing himself to Moses, Moses' only tool that he had was the law. And so God gave Moses the law, and then, Moses took that to the people, and that was supposed to kind of regulate the people. Paul says, hey, I've got an advantage over that, because the tool that I have, and I'm using the tool here loosely, the tool that I have is that we have the new covenant. We have the Holy Spirit, and that changes everything. And so that's his point here. We have this ministry of the Holy Spirit, so we don't lose heart. We have his presence and his power. Rather... Verse number two, we've renounced the secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception. This is part of this self-defense. We don't distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. Let's jump down to verse number five. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Christ Jesus is Lord, and ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God said... For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. And then he goes on to share a really, really important point here. He says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all surpassing power is from God and not from us. And what Paul says here is so important. He says, Hey, if you're dealing with discouragement, you have to forget or you have to remember that it's not about you, it's about God. And if you're just a jar of clay, it's okay, because it's not about your ability, it's about God's ability to use ordinary things. Then he goes on here in verse number eight. Remember I said that, you know, you kind of get the feeling that everything's coming at Paul from every direction? Here's what he says. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Oh, but then we turn, and we're perplexed, but we're not in despair. Then we're persecuted, but not abandoned. We're struck down, but not destroyed. And you kind of get this idea that that just, like, shots are coming at him from every direction. But he goes on in verse number 10. He says, we always carry around in our body the, the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. And he's saying a lot here about the fact that when it looks awful, when it looks like death, don't give up hope because Jesus is all about life. Verse number 13, as it is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken, since we have it the same spirit of faith, we also believe and speak, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will raise us with Jesus and present us with you to Himself. There's this power, this resurrection power that can totally change things around, and all of this is for your benefit. So that the grace is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. So we don't lose heart because of this power, because God's at work, because life can come from death. But then He goes on and gives even more reasons. Though so outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes on what, is, uh, on what is seen. Excuse me, let me read that again. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And he gives, at least here, six ideas of how you can overcome discouragement in your life. And we're going to fly through these, all right? Here we go. We can overcome discouragement in our life because we have the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Verses 6 and 7 talk about the fact that we have light that shines in our darkness because the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us. And that is the gift that is shining in your heart, too. He indwells us with his presence. So when we're going through discouragement, he's like... I'm in it with you. But he also is there in his power to say more than I'm just in it with you. I'm here to help you through it. And this is the encouragement that we have, that we have the Holy Spirit in our lives. Secondly, if we are doing the right thing and for the right reason, then we just need to keep doing it. And Paul says, for what we preach is not ourselves, but Christ Jesus our Lord. Ourselves and your servant for Jesus' sake. That's verse number five. What Paul says is, I can't control everything that happens, but I can control what I do. There's so many times when we get discouraged, we get discouraged because we focus on outcomes. What's happening? And we assume that what's happening is because what we're doing is insufficient. But the point here is, do what you know to do, and let God. God, worry about the outcomes. The outcome may be no reflection whatsoever on what you're doing. Paul's doing the right thing here. The outcome's been pretty topsy-turvy, hasn't it? But we can encourage ourselves with, if I'm doing the right thing, that should be good enough. Thirdly, jars of clay are great treasure containers. I love this verse. We have this treasure in jars of clay, verse number 7. To show that the all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. And in our weaknesses and in our disappointments that often lead to discouragement, we hear God say, but I'm big enough. I can handle this. We can get through this. You will be okay. This can actually turn out right And so we don't need to feel bad about our weaknesses. We don't even need to feel bad about our ordinariness. We don't need to feel bad about our inadequacy because weakness is God's invitation to work in our lives and weakness is God's opportunity to work in our lives. See, we get discouraged, though, because we look at us. God's like, I already know. You're not that awesome. But I'll help you because I love jars of clay because they don't think it's all about them. So when it's okay, they know that it's me. And sometimes the stuff that you're going through in life is because God's just trying to say, hey, 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 look at me. Look at me. Number four, the blows can have limited impact. I love that verse number eight. You know, I'm hard-pressed on every side, but I'm not crushed. I'm perplexed, but I'm not in despair. I'm persecuted, but I am not abandoned. I am struck down, but I'm not destroyed. What is the point here? To remind ourselves when the blows of life come, when God's part of our story, they have limited impact. They can only come so far. Hey, it can only come so far as I can be hard-pressed, but I can't be crushed. Oh, I can be perplexed. It can come that far, but I can't be despaired. I can be persecuted, but I won't be abandoned. And there's this idea here where Paul says, yeah, it's hard, but there's a limit. And there's more on the other side of that limit where God is with me and in me in this moment here. It's kind of like, remember Muhammad Ali when he was boxing? (laughs) Way back, right? But he had that thing that he called the rope-a-dope. Where the 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 other boxer would get him on the ropes and he'd just go like that and the other guy would go like this forever and finally when the guy was tired Ali you know, would just go boom and you know knock him out. But it's that idea here is like it's the rope it up you know troubles can swing all their for all their worth but they can't knock me out. And when I come out the other side, that's where we are. Number five here, inner renewal is more powerful than outward diminishment. This is what's exciting to me because we get discouraged most of the time about things that are happening to us on the outside. And Paul says, ah, but what's happening on the inside is that you're being renewed day by day. Verse number 16, we don't lose heart because while outwardly we're wasting away and we're taking our blows, inwardly we are being renewed day by day, and this is a promise. Because as you go through the hard times that discourage you in life, God says, I'm going to use those things. And actually, while you're going through those things, I'm going to be renewing you. And then finally, problems are only temporary. And they can have eternal potential. Look at this verse, number 17, for our light and momentary troubles. That is not how I describe the things that discourage me. And yet that's what Paul says here. If you get perspective, if you can get perspective, you'll realize that your problems, your troubles, are they're light, they're not as bad as you think, and they're momentary. They're not going to last forever. And they are going to achieve for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them. They're not as bad as they seem. They're not even as they seem. See, I, God's going to use these things for good. God's going to make these things have some meaning and matter to us here and he's actually saying in verse number 18 all these things that we look at are what gets us discouraged we need to look at the things that we can't see I realize that doesn't make a whole lot of sense but the idea is there's a lot going on in the world that God's doing a lot of work and if you'll just get focused on that you'll realize that there can be some positives all right so how do we turn discouragement upside down First of all, we choose not to be discouraged. Paul says we do not lose heart. That was a choice that he was making. Discouragement is actually a choice. Circumstances contribute to discouragement, but they don't cause it. I get discouraged when I allow my circumstances to dictate my thinking and my feelings. Discouragement, then, is a choice. And that doesn't mean that we don't have feelings. That doesn't mean we don't have problems. But it is my choice how I respond to those things. And I don't have to be discouraged or I don't have to lose heart. Secondly, tell yourself the truth about your situation. And that's those last six things that we just went through. That's truth. And when you're facing discouragement, maybe you need to remind yourself of that truth. And then thirdly, refuse to give up. There's a difference between discouragement and disheartenment. And Paul says we don't lose heart. See, heart is what keeps us going. And even if Paul's discouraged, he's like, I'm not disheartened, I'm not going to stop. I'm going to keep on going. And if you'll keep on going, that is the trick. It's heart that keeps us going. We all have our stories, don't we, of when we wanted to quit and when we wanted to give up? And then we're like, okay, I'm going to keep going. And then we're rewarded for it on the other end. Same thing here. Sometimes we're going through these circuses. Sometimes they have us so discouraged. But we don't lose heart. We refuse to give up. Okay, I'm not going to quit. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. I realize that everything is screaming at me. This isn't going to work out. And yet I keep going. I refuse to give up. So if you have become discouraged... Don't be. And I know that's hard. And I'm speaking to myself as well. If you've become discouraged, speak the truth in your story. If you've become discouraged, keep on going. Don't stop. If you need to, get back up, but refuse to give up. I want to finish this morning by looking at that poem again. This is what's called reverse poetry. Are you familiar with it? So we're actually going to read this again, but this is the last stanza, but we're going to start at the bottom, and we're going to read up. Follow along with me. Today was a very good day, and you'll never in a million years hear me say it's all beyond my control. My attitude creates the reality. I'm sure you agree that it's it's not true that good exists only if one's surroundings are good. True happiness can be attained because it's all in the mind and heart. It's not true that satisfaction and happiness don't last. Once in a while, some goodness does shine through, even if this world is a pretty evil place. Because when you take a closer look, there's something good in every day. And don't try to convince me that today was the absolute worst day ever. It's time to turn your discouragement upside down. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the fact that it is so practical to where we live in our lives. We deal with discouragement all the time, but I pray that you would give us victory over that through your word, through your spirit. Two questions for you this morning. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal savior, he is the one who can deliver you and rescue you from the discouragement of life. He is the one who wants to be the presence the power you can invite him into your life if you have questions about that i would love to talk to you just say something to me on the way out the door but you where you sit can simple prayer simple conversation between you and jesus christ jesus i know i've sinned but i want to ask you to forgive me to come into my life to be my savior if you're a christ follower this morning are you discouraged how can you decide differently It really is up to you and up to the Holy Spirit working in your life. And so, God, we commit ourselves to you this morning and ask that you would encourage us through your word and that we would push back against discouragement so that we would not lose heart. We ask this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? The uh, prompt for the uh, Storylines Journal, if you're following along the journal... uh, identify a source of discouragement in your life and write the next chapter what do you want it to be see if you can find some encouragement there how could things turn out how do you hope they will and how might they have benefit to you thanks for joining us this morning you are dismissed and the band's got a new song that they want to play on your way out